Welcome to Sunshine State Takes, everybody. My name is Brandon Carroll alongside Matt McConnell. And yes, as you can see behind me as we are back on YouTube, I have returned to the Carroll household to broadcast this edition of Sunshine State Takes. It is our first edition following our draft, uh, po our post-draft, you know, recap in general of um, everything that happened in the NFL. We promised you an episode kind of going over, the, you know, the NBA, MLB. We didn't get to it. We've been busy. So here we are. We're going to give you a triple header of sports today, and I know you guys are just going to be crazy excited, but before we get into that, Matt, how you doing? Yeah, so I, I think it's kind of the first time in our show that we're really kind of somewhat hitting that sports equinox, you know, yeah. our little Sunshine State Takes version of it. Obviously, you know, not involving like hockey or anything like that, but, you know, the stuff that matters, no offense to hockey fans, and I actually am just going to go ahead and take that back because I don't even feel that way about hockey. No, but no, we're, we're going we're gonna to double down. We're looking at you. You're, Brandon's going to double down. We're looking at you, Brooks. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we're off to a great start already. I love it. But, uh, yeah, NFL, NBA, MLB, the good stuff. Um, you know, the schedule release was last night, so we're going to touch on that a little bit. We're going to kind of – delve into uh you know some new quarterbacks on some new teams how we think they're gonna fare uh and maybe some underpaid nba players that are kind of excelling under their contracts and we're kind of gonna take a look into that and see what's going on there as well as uh you know seven inning games in baseball our thoughts our opinions uh you know everything we have to say is right so it'll end up being the straight facts yeah. unfortunately yeah. you can cry about it if you want or you yeah. can we don't we or you can just agree with us because we're we right. We don't have – there's no such things as opinions on this show. I know it's called yeah. State Takes, but our state, our takes are actually statements. So like, Sunshine State Facts? actual, yeah. Can someone fact check Sunshine State Facts? Are we rebranding? We're going to have to let our unofficial sponsors know. I think we should at least name the episode Sunshine, Sunshine State, state Facts. Facts. Absolutely. I agree. I think so. Yeah. Uh, there you go. You guys just uh, – Got a little behind-the-scenes scoop of <laughs> how we sometimes come up with our titles for our episodes. Yeah. Uh, our I titles, know. guys, our titles are really thought out. We, we spend a lot of time really thinking about our titles, as you can yeah. by NFL draft preview, NFL draft recap, things like that. Very. How about, remember, uh, stuff Super there. Bowl recap? Yes, that was Madness preview. Those took a lot of effort. So. But then every now and then we kind of come off the top shelf, you know, mitochondria yeah. is the powerhouse of the cell. Indeed, uh, we do. Big trust, Derrick Henry edition. Yes. Uh, now here's a guy. So I, we, you know. Now here's a guy. We had one that included Paige Beckers. Who would have thought? Not me. Yeah, right? Not me. Not me. Look at us. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm man. glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. It's going to be a fun episode. We're, I think we're just letting out all the emotions and, uh, I think we should roll that intro music without further ado because it's only going to get better. We Just forget the wins, it's the best to use. Won't you follow me? 
Welcome back into Sunshine State Facts, everybody. Sunshine State takes, uh, temporarily known as Sunshine State Facts. For this uh, episode, once again, for this episode. Going forward, actually. Uh, so. But what's constant for all the episodes is your hosts, Matt McConnell alongside Brandon Carroll. That's the way it'll always be. Never will change. Uh, and so, like I said, we're going we're gonna to hit on a, a couple, well, like Brandon said, we're going to hit on a couple of different topics uh, you know, all th- uh, three different sports, kind of something we never really done before. We usually tend to stick to kind of just one sport, you know, maybe what's on your mind or whatever. Best thing I saw, we'll throw another discussion in there. But today we're just, we're going to knock everything out at once. And I think it's going to be fun. We're going to try and keep it quick though, because we got things to do. So let's start. Let's just get right into it. What's on your mind? Well, I made a purchase earlier today, oh uh, a pretty big purchase, if you ask. Uh, if you you know want to know, it is a uh, it's something that's you know I'm kind of excited about. I'm gonna guess. This man bought the PS5. Wrong. However, no. I'm gonna share my screen real quick. Take a look at what we have going on here. Oh, dude, you're kidding. That's Fernando awesome. Tatis. Oh no, where'd he go? There he is. Yeah, it's there. Most exciting, electrifying player in all of baseball. Ready to go for our Sunshine State Takes trip to Atlanta in July. I know I've said multiple times I'm, a, I'm technically an Atlanta fan. However, your boy not baseball has not grown up on baseball. He, he has never really been, uh, you know, into it. However, this man right here has been the spark of a – what could be a you know a, a loving relationship between baseball and general? Obviously, right now uh, he he's on the IL with uh, some some pretty I'm pretty sure some COVID like symptoms. Yeah. However, uh, you know he's going to come back be better than ever. Let's take a look at what this man presents on the second pitch of the game against Trevor Bauer, um, in in a, in the series against the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's really fun to watch what he does at the plate. There's just this is not any other way to put it. He's electrifying. He's got great power. He gets all of the barrel on the bat. Uh, you know, he's got good mechanics in the box. And you know, when it comes to on the bases, he's got the smarts. He's got the wits. He can steal. Um, he he's uh, he's had a few errors in the field, but what he lacks in defense, I feel like he makes up for with his bat. And, uh, you know, we can't completely let him off the hook in regards of what can sometimes be some inconsistent defense. But, you know, with the pitching staff that the Padres have and the offensive firepower that they have, um, you know, there are just so many other aspects to that team that allow them to excel. And, uh, you know, and really a big part of it is what he's able to do at the plate and you read the title of that video five home runs in that Dodgers series yeah. you know just you know 
like it was yeah. just absolutely absurd at Incredible. the rate he was hitting home runs uh, and an off a pretty good pitching staff too so off, um, off so one of the best pitching staffs in all yeah, of baseball one of the best Clayton Kershaw he got two I'm pretty sure he got two in that game against Trevor Bauer yeah both of which were regarded as some of the best pitchers in all of the MLB last oh, yeah. continue to do, be so this year so yeah I, I think they went up a series too if I remember correctly yeah. um they they've had two series against the Dodgers so far yeah one of them they lost two out of three and then the other they took two out of three, I believe, including that seven to one comeback victory that went into extras. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Padres are, they're off to a good start. Like we expected, um, certainly taking advantage of this kind of slow start that the Dodgers have been having, uh, you yeah. know, little uncharacteristic losing streaks in there for the, for the LA Dodgers. You're not really used to seeing them lose any more than yeah. like three, four games at a time. Uh, but and it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the Dodgers season goes uh, with Dustin May out for the season. That's a huge blow for them. But uh, the Dodgers in, you know, they, they still have the offensive firepower and still have the pitching outside of May where they're still going to be a very dangerous team. It's just really crazy that between the Dodgers and Padres, one of those teams is going to be a wild card team in a position yeah. where they could be one and done. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, that that's part of what makes baseball so exciting. And, and a lot of people don't realize this, but every game really does count. Yeah. And they add up, you know, it just, it, it kind of doesn't really settle into like June, uh, you know, late June, early July, but you, you know, you, you, you go on a stretch where you lose like seven out of 10 and you go from 35 and 30 to, you know, 37 or 33 and, 37 within 10 days and it's like what just happened you know mm -hmm. yeah. it's a sport where you can lose it all in a snap of a finger so uh you know when those two teams meet up it's going to be really important and for the Padres to take a game where they were down seven to one those are the kind of things that allow a good team to separate Absolutely. Uh, so I, I've been impressed with well I've been a little disappointed in the Dodgers but given the injuries of the Padres and uh, you know the COVID issues they've been going through, I, I've been impressed with how they've started the season. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you're mentioning the, the shortcomings of Tatis in, in the field. However, he makes up for it by his blatant disregard for the unwritten rules, the dumb yeah. unwritten rules of baseball. I mean, if I don't see a bat flip after he nukes one, you know, if, you know, past 400, uh, I, I'm going to be pretty upset. I, I, right. I say so. If I don't, you know, if I don't see some excitement, some celebration, some just complete, uh, what many might deem disrespect towards the game, I'm going to leave there pretty upset. And it's, yeah. you know, uh, and I just, I really don't care. So, yeah. And while we're on the topic, that, of that's a sunshine. That is a sunshine state fact right there. Yeah. No, hundred, hundred percent. Unwritten rules of baseball are just dumb. So yep. take that as you will. Stupid. No, and I think a lot of people, you know, we have a much younger audience. I think everyone that listens would agree with that statement. Um, while we're on the topic of baseball, before we move on to what's on my mind, I just want to say uh, the Brewers have a pitcher named Corbin Burns who has been nothing short of excellent to start the season. He is now – he now has a K-to-walk ratio of 52 to 0. Talk about just having an excellent feel for the strike zone and great command over your pitches. I mean, uh, you know, there are a lot of good pitchers in baseball, a lot of dominant guys, DeGrom, Bieber, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer, 
uh, Garrett Cole, you know, just lots of stud aces that are rightfully so. And, you know, the best pitcher in the game discussion. Uh, And as Corbin Burns just continues to deal start after start, his name is already in that list, but I think he has a good chance, you know, maybe to go. And then, you know, the top pitchers in baseball is a really, you know, subjective list, but I, I think Corbin Burns, whether you view him as a top five or a top three, there's still room for him to climb up the ranks, which is yeah. saying a lot given the other great pitchers in baseball and what he's been able to do on, to stay on par with them. So Absolutely. And- uh, that was just a little – player shout out that I wanted to give since we were on the topic of baseball. Yeah. And I'm not normally one that wants to dive deep into the baseball realm. However, I have something to add on to the spectacular pitching that has been going on. Garrett Cole has been on fire recently. He hasn't had a walk since April 12th. It's been over a month. He has 78 strikeouts and three walks on the year uh, and, and a career best of 26 strikeouts without a walk. He is playing out of his mind. Right. Yeah. And it is, it's incredible to watch. He's, he's good. Not better than the ground, but he's good. Well, one of as them's a, playing right Met- now. One of them's on the field right now. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think the is on the 10 day kind of more for precautionary reasons than anything. I'm just, I'm just I know, I know you are. Um, and it, you know, it, it is valid at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta play the games. You gotta give the tape in order to be properly ranked. So, uh, and the has kind of suffered from rainouts and now an injury. Yeah. Uh, a lot of starts left out there. Yeah, that's true. That, that he hasn't had yet, but you yeah. know he'll be back. And I, I, I think the season's just getting started. Um, so, no, well, no, obviously I, it is just getting started. But I think, especially with the slow start of offenses in baseball this year, it's it's going to pick up and it's going to become more and more exciting by the month. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And it wasn't to create the divide between the. Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom committees, um, you know, each of them, mostly just the New Yorkers that really have their interest for yeah. side. It was more or less to point out the incredible streak that Garrett. No, 100%. Of late. I'm just obligated. So as every, a Mets time, fan, every time, every time Cole's right. name is mentioned, I have to say deGrom better. <laughs> it's an obligation as a Mets fan. So, um, anyways, <laughs> unless you have any other. No, what's on your mind, add? dude? What's All on right, your mind? So, so, uh, we were talking about the Browns draft, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about their Incredible. Anthony Schwartz Very pick. Good. Their Anthony Schwartz pick specifically, kind of that Swiss Army knife speedster that they can use in a bunch of different ways. He kind of falls into that category with Jarvis and Odell, you know? Yes. A lot of trick play potential. Uh, and I don't know if you saw the undrafted free agent that the Browns brought in today. He also fits that category. It's, it's the speedster from UCLA, Demetric Felton. Yeah, he, he was signed by the Browns today, and it's really what I want to say about it is it's just interesting to me how the Browns have kind of found their type when it comes to skill position players. Um, you know, those, those, like I said, Swiss Army knives that can really do so many different things. I mean, you saw Felton get a lot of reps at running back and wide receiver, uh, you know, given the speed of Anthony Schwartz, what they'll be able to do with him. Obviously, you have Jarvis and Odell who – not only are great, great wide receivers, but are also pretty darn good trick play quarterbacks, right? Yes. Yeah. So now you have this skill position group on the Browns that, you know, the whole world is at your feet when it comes to 
the coaching staff writing up these trick plays. And uh, I just want to share what I imagine Baker Mayfield will – this this is going to be Baker Mayfield after Jarvis and Odell have both thrown like six passes in a row during a game and he wants to throw the ball again. So I, I think I think with all all that potential to run trick plays and jet sweeps and just get the ball, Brandon's dying over here. It is my turn. It's my <laughs> turn. You told me that it's my turn. You lost the game. <laughs> no, that's what he's gonna be telling um, yep. Kevin Stefanski. He's gonna be like, yeah. you said it was my turn. He'll make a progressive commercial, <laughs> Baker. <laughs> yeah. Go go announce that Hulu has live sports again, Baker. Go lock down the house. Come on. Someone left the <laughs> gate open. <laughs> go get your groceries. That, that, that one's probably – go. no, I, I like the book club commercial the best. Have you seen the book club commercials really yes. good? Or the one where he has to – it starts raining. He's like, we got to cover up all the seats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, he, good stuff. He's the commercial personality of the NFL yeah. right now. But anyways – that's it. I just thought uh, I thought Dalton is a pretty. And now, who knows? Just going to be a practice squad guy, or if he's down to the roster, you have to imagine that that type of versatility get a shot. Yeah. On an NFL roster, uh-huh. just because you never know. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I really, you know, was kind of just thinking about that in the car, thinking like, wow, like Odell can do all these different things, Jarvis can do all these different things, Schwartz can do all these different things. They have a Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, probably the best backfield in the NFL. Like, how, how often is the hand – or how often is the ball actually going to be in Baker's hands? Yeah. Uh, and if it is, they're probably going to try and get it out rather quickly. So – and then I thought about that Skip Bayless video. Like, it's my turn. <laughs> Anyways, well, that's all I got. So, so we can yeah. we can get moving on here. Um, speaking of the NFL schedule – or, you know, just the NFL in general, schedule release yesterday. Uh, today was kind of a – you know, everyone was giving, getting off their burning questions of which teams, you know, had the easiest schedule, which team had the toughest schedule, all of which is just complete and utter chaos, considering we have absolutely no idea which teams are going to be good, which teams are going to be bad. So the, the entire landscape of, you know, sports media right now trying to predict which team is going to have an easy road and which team is going to have a hard road, I think is, is oddly – uh, you know, it's oddly obsessive about around this time of year. Obviously, content drives a lot of the industry. I'm one of the which who would probably uh, who would be doing that if I was uh, covering the NFL ranks. However, we're looking at you know a league that it is over the last 16 of 18 years they have seen a team that was worst in the division go to first, which is likely going to happen again this year with some of the teams that are coming back healthy. And you know it, it is a legitimate uh, you know kind of question mark who is going to be good who's going to be bad what do these schedules bring once we get into the season obviously we can look and base it off last year and say oh based off last year this team's going to be you know uh eight and nine whenever when reality they you know put together some more wins win those close games end up going 13 and four it's just there's so many um things about this schedule release that you know while it looks as if it could be self-evident it looks as if you could try to 
find some of these, you know, holes um, in the schedules that could really predict what these teams bring. It's a, it's a crazy time um, of the year for a lot of people that are trying to, like us in general, that are trying to get off, uh, you know, some content. However, what we can do is look at games that we believe are going to be some of the more intriguing ones. So starting with week one, what is a game from week one that you believe is going to be the game to keep your eye on going into the NFL season? For me, it's going to be the New York Jets versus the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I mean, I, I was just very surprised that the NFL wasted no time pitting Sam Darnold against his former team. And, and it, it's an intriguing matchup. I mean, uh, you know, if you're, a, if you're a Sam Darnold defender, then you believe that he fell victim to the incompetence of Adam Gase and the Jets coaching staff. Uh, and a common example that you will probably pinpoint is that when Ryan Tannehill left Adam Gase, he turned into a rather good quarterback. You may, maybe not talent-wise, nothing super crazy, but – He's uh, a statistically efficient quarterback, yes. right? Yes. So, and it's very interesting that Sam Darnold in his first game with his new team, where uh, he's supposed to be a heck of a lot better because he's with a new coaching staff, he's gotten away from Adam Gase, and his first test comes against his old team, who, albeit revamped this past offseason, yeah. including adding Zach Wilson, who's supposed to be the franchise quarterback with the second overall pick. Not yes. to mention some of those moves they've made on defense. So, yes. and the Panthers have also revamped as well. Um, you know, and they'll be getting some guys back who were injured last year. And, uh, you know, obviously Darnold is back with his old friend, Robbie Anderson. So I think, I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a revenge game for that duo that, you know, Darnold and Robbie Anderson are going to want to go out there and have a nice little day of pitch and catch as they blow the brakes off of the New York Jets and, send them out of town 0-1, right? So, and also, you know, we're going to get to see Zach Wilson for the first time go up against the, albeit not great Carolina defense. So, you know, maybe, maybe Zach Wilson shows out in his first NFL start, you know, uh, we'll see. I think, I think it's set up to be a very low key, like high scoring offensive shootout that, some of the more casual NFL fans might not really keep their eye on, but the ones that sit on the couch all Sunday long with red zone and then like six other TVs with like six other games on are going to see like all of that game. And it might end up being the one o'clock game that most people have their eyes on when everything is kind of all said and done. Yeah, for sure. You're going to, and you know, we draw the connection between Ryan Tannehill uh, leaving Adam Gase and going to Tennessee. One thing that he had, was a stellar running back and running right in general to have support uh, in terms of him being able to make that transition from an offense that really didn't tailor to his skill set to going to one that does do just that in terms of being able to kind of live off that play action ball with Derrick Henry taking, you know, the workload. And I don't, that's not any discredit to what Ryan Tannehill is able to do. He's perfect for what, you know, Tennessee wants to be able to uh, establish in the run game. And he, you know, that, that's just the dynamic that he uh, fits into in terms of commanding an offense. I think Sam Darnold does something similarly, similarly to that. And at the same time, you're going to a team in Carolina who also holds one of the best running backs in the game in Christian McCaffrey. And on top of that, you have Joe Brady, who's becoming one of the, uh, even though Teddy Bridgewater may disagree, he is one of the 
uh, most innovative young offensive minds that the NFL has to offer. So he's going to a situation in uh, from New York where Adam Gase, yes, it could be a legitimate gripe that Adam Gase, you know, kind of held him back there. It's good for him to go see new scenery. It's good for him to go get in that offense that Joe Brady will understand how to use him. He'll, he'll do the things that needs to happen to be able to take the pressure off of him, let him get those consistent confidence, you know, building uh, plays and scores early on, and then just utilize Christian McCaffrey coming off an, of an injury to be able to put Sam Darnold in a situation that enables him to succeed as he continues and progresses to this next step in his NFL career, hopefully something that the Carolina Panthers can, you know, use going forward as they have kind of put all their chips in on Sam Darnold being that next uh, quarterback of the future there and, and, you know, that system. So. Yeah. I, I think it's just a great first game. Yeah. For the season. Like, Oh, there's, I don't see how you could have any complaints. I mean, you know, you do have other revenge games on the schedule, like staff are going up against the Rams and stuff like that. But a lot of those don't come you to the Lions? later. That I said the Rams, right? Yeah. The Lions. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Always have my back. Dan, uh, Motor City, Dan Campbell. Yeah. So the Dan Dude, Campbell attending to Stafford, bite off. Stafford needs to be careful that his kneecaps don't get bit off. I was just about to say that. So I, wow. I was saying like we might, so like we're going to have to wait a few weeks before Dan Campbell attempts to literally run over to the Rams sideline and is like, let me bite off your kneecaps. And Stafford's like, you know, Dude. I just think you're such a weirdo. Yeah, dude. No, like, look you... at McVeigh. <laughs> look at McVeigh's normal. <laughs> why, why are you trying to bite off my kneecaps, dude? This is why I left. <laughs> yeah. are, are you kidding me? Come on, bro. You're trying to bite look off my Sean. kneecaps. What's wrong with look you? Look at Sean. Sean's normal. <laughs> uh, dude, I don't even know you like that. You weren't even yeah. there when I was there. What are you doing? Ah. Uh, <laughs> and he's probably like, man. Look, I'm not on that team anymore, but I wish they still had Matt Patricia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But no, I think, like you said, there's some pretty solid rivalry in terms of you know being able to go back into the place that they once called home. Right. Uh, those revenge games and uh, being able to battle it out. There's a quite a few of them this year, and a lot of them happen early on in the season. Uh, yeah. But when we're talking about a revenge game. I want to jump to this week one matchup. You, you mentioned one in the one o'clock window. I'm going to go to the 425 window and preview what was, uh, what could well be an AFC championship preview in week one between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. I mean, these yeah. teams, we just previously talked about them a little bit in terms of their offensive firepower and Matt's what's on your mind. Uh, but they have put together a team that, has drastically turned it around from the historically bad losing uh, franchise that they were for many, many years. And I think as a result, they're kind of being looked at as a team that, that they no longer are one to be messed with. They're no longer one to glance over as we go into the year. So Cleveland and Kansas City in Arrowhead in week one could legitimately be a statement game for Cleveland. And obviously that can't be their best game of the season. They'll have to continuously progress from that point forward. However, right. it could be something that kind of puts the entire NFL on notice saying like, oh, last year wasn't a fluke. We're here to stay and we're getting our pieces back. We're getting to, you know, the point where we think we can contend down the line with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, and the other powerhouses that sit in the AFC Week one is definitely the place to do that, especially when play, facing off against the Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid-led Kansas City Chiefs. 
Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, one of the biggest things with that game is the Chiefs are strolling into this season with a revamped offensive line. Yeah. And, you know, that new group of players together, including guys like uh, Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney, their first big test is going to be that Browns passing yeah. attack. So I and, think that's going to be – And Kyle a- Long. They, they, they completely right. redid right. what they had up front for Kansas City, yeah. which, you know, if, if longevity, it was the uh, – idea going into the offseason that's something you know we're gonna have to see not only can they mesh but can they stay healthy down the line to be able to right. hit my homes you know not have to make those diving sidearm throws that get dropped in the end zone in the suit right. it's going to be a legitimate question mark especially when facing off a against a miles garrett who has been just looking like an absolute monster all offseason long yeah so and it's incredible that uh that brown's that Browns front seven is, is dirty. And yeah, you know, that that's going to be a large part of that Browns defense's success, not to mention the moves they made in the secondary, but yep. like I said, that the, what is so intriguing about that matchup to me is that Chiefs revamped the line going up against that Browns pass, pass rush attack. And like you said, it's going to be interesting to see if that, if that group of new Chiefs linemen mesh well together. Definitely. Uh, and and how they handle that Browns pass rush is going to be a pretty good indication of, uh, you know, how well protected Mahomes is going to be this year. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's a yeah. I, I definitely agree there. I, it's a interesting uh, setup that they have going on. And this this week one, uh, while it's still week one, you know, not everything can be made uh, in terms of assumptions and predictions off of week one performances however it could be a very good indication of the Browns in general being able to stay and let's say Kansas City goes out there and blows them out uh, I mean they're a six-point favorite to start off and so it's not out of the question however it's too much I agree but hey Kansas City there are the offense ticks Baker Mayfield comes out and what we will uh you know in what could be a year where he has to kind of let it rip. He has to, you know, be the guy that they drafted him to be, or he could be finding himself in a situation where he doesn't like the, you know, his, the 2022 version of the Cleveland. Right. So it's a, it's going to be an interesting setup and in just game overall. However, there's a lot to prove on both sides. So it's, it's a matchup that I will definitely be watching for uh, when I have my six TVs and red zone going on my iPad. So <laughs> Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, that's and it's it's the biggest season ever. So yes, it's going it to require a bigger focus. Did you see um, the schedule release for the Broncos? Did you see how they did it with who, Peyton Manning? Who, who's the one? No, I didn't see theirs. Okay, I so, saw the Giants did like Fortnite, and the Chargers did the pop. Chargers did that the pop. Was that was good. But Austin uh, Strawberry is what they called the Patriots. And they called uh, – they had a TikTok-flavored one. Yeah, talk tarts That was funny. I would eat the talk tarts <laughs> personally. Where can but, I buy them? Yeah, but it was just uh, – they had – who was the ranch? Someone was, like, ranch-flavored and stuff. It's like they are just making some crazy ones up. However, it's uh, – um, Peyton Manning was going through, and he was kind of talking about uh, – he was like – uh, oh, beat them, beat them, because he beat every NFL team in in the entire. He he won against right. all two teams throughout his entire. 
career. Yeah. So he's like, oh, beat them, beat them, destroyed them. And then it pops up at the schedule and the Jets are third. I'm like, that's funny. But <laughs> um, overall, what I was going to say there is he was talking about, he was like, 17 games? Can you imagine the numbers that we'd have put up in 17 games as he's polishing the 50 uh, in terms of, like, the Super Bowl trophy? Right. I thought that was really funny. I think I think you cut out a little bit, but I think you were asking who the ranch dressing was yes. for the Chargers. Uh, I don't entirely remember. I want to say it was the Eagles, though, but I, I think I'm wrong. That I think that uh, makes sense. I'm going to try and find it because I want to – now that you mentioned it, I want to know. Yeah. Um, um, it would make a lot of sense if it was the – The um, Bengals were cement flavor. That's – yeah. Uh, you see this one, what they did yeah, for the, the, the Eagles the were ranch dressing. The Eagles were ranch for the Chiefs. They just posted a picture of a pop tart with ketchup on it. Yeah, yeah. That's that. Were, they they're just or uh, they're, they're just fun, so cold. Another funny one was the Raven with the pop tart in its mouth. Yeah, that was good. About the, the Giants being Facebook. Yeah, uh, they, they nailed it. Good stuff. That social media guy needs a raise. I agree. But anyways, so that's week one. Yeah. How about a primetime game? And now I know you got a load of Thursday night games, Monday night games, Sunday night games, Thanksgiving, opening night. Uh, but, Brandon, I'm going to ask you to pick one primetime game this season that really intrigues you. So I was looking through and, you know, finding – okay, so as a Jaguars fan, I'm kind of upset that we didn't get a Sunday night game. With the, I agree. As a non-Jaguars with fan. the with the appear, uh, you're they're like your supporter. Team. They're like your second team. Yeah. But with the everything that it brings, I'm like, oh, why couldn't Trevor Lawrence have the opportunity to showcase his skill set? I will say, I love the Cincinnati versus Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that is a great uh, spectacle. Uh, you know, uh, Joe Burrow and. Trevor Lawrence on the same field yet again is going to be a fun one to watch. If I had to pick right now, um, it it would have to be um, what – so I know you're going to be like, oh, again, he's going with the same – it's going to be the Chiefs and Bills in week five. I know yeah. – I know it's it, – I just wasn't blown away by the, you know, primetime games. Hopefully they, you know, kind of change as the season goes on and they look to be – you know, uh, a bit better. Maybe this Rams 49ers game in week 10 could shape up to be something if both teams get back to being the teams that they have been in the past. However, Bills Chiefs, the Bills have been on a meteoric rise with Josh Allen as of late. They continue to get, uh, you know, just further than they did the previous season, continue being uh, a little bit better. Is this the year that they're finally able to uh, get over that hump well, we're going to get a bit of an outlook similar to what we're going to get for the Browns in week five. And they're going to have to do it in Arrowhead in prime time in a game that really is going to mean a lot. And, and even though it's early on in the year, uh, you know, it, so it's a, uh, I'm going to have to go with that game right there. Can Josh Allen, you know, continue his success that he's seen uh, since making that big turn and, uh, yeah. you know, his, rookie in sophomore years is he gonna kind of take a step back to being that mediocre quarterback that many thought he would turn out to be when he came out of the draft uh, there's a lot of question marks and because of that it's that that's that's another prove it game and I, I just feel like the Chiefs being the the king of the hill as they are despite losing the Super Bowl 
Uh, it is a big, big, uh, you know, anytime they play in prime time, it's going to be watched. You're going to have a, yeah. this team has a chance to take down the big, bad, almighty Chiefs. Can they do it? Can they? Because a lot of the time, doing that catapults them to that, you know, that they're immediately taken from, okay, they have a chance to, okay, they're a legitimate contender. And right. I, beating that team elevates them to that point. So, Browns, Bills, whoever it is, beating the Chiefs, not something easy to do, but it does earn you respect when it happens. Yeah, and it's also worth noting that when the Bills took their kind of forward step last year, the Chiefs still really had their number yeah. in both of the games. Uh, the week six game that ended up getting moved to a Monday because of COVID and the AFC Championship, the Chiefs won both pretty handedly. Uh, so it, it is a bit of a uh, I don't want to say a prove it game because we know that the Bills are going to be stellar next year. But like, yeah, um, you know, you you're one of these up and coming teams in the AFC. But can you take down the Chiefs on the road in Arrowhead early in the season? It's going to be one of those games that when seeding is being decided later in the season, that's going to be a game right there that could hold a lot of weight. You know, two teams looking for the number one seed that head-to-head if the Chiefs win that game you know I I don't see the Chiefs losing very many games I don't see the Bills losing very many games either so that's why that's a really important game because that that loss whether it's the Chiefs that lose or the Bills that lose that game uh that's that's going to be like one of at most three losses for either team so it's a you know it's it's a really important early season game um for me, a primetime game that I'm really interested in. Okay, a primetime game that I'm really interested in. Um, it's a Thursday night game, and it's going to be the Packers and Cardinals in week eight, I believe. Uh, and the, the Packers and Cardinals have played some really good games against each other, especially in the playoffs. And now with Kyler Murray, kind of the guy, you know, Packers have gone up against the Kurt Warner Cardinals in the playoffs. They've gone up against the Carson Palmer Cardinals in the playoffs. Uh, and now this isn't a playoff game, but this is really Aaron, potentially Aaron Rodgers and the Packers' first look at the Kyler Murray Cardinals, who have made some, you know, pretty interesting additions over the offseason and are looking to be a noisemaker in the NFC this year. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. Just given the history of the two franchises and the games that they've played against each other, I think that Thursday night matchup is shaping up to be uh, a high-scoring showdown in the desert. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's a, you know, another solid, uh, you know, game that is, that there's a lot that is on the line there. What Packers team are we going to get? However, you know, is it right. Rogers led Packers team? Is it a boat led Packers team? Are we going to get to see Blake Bortles in prime time? Yeah, the boat. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Blake Bortles in prime time is a sight to see, ladies and gentlemen. He's uh he's gonna need to use those extra phone chargers he keeps in his uh nightstand to give himself some energy for the for his starting run. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yes. Have you seen that interview that aired? Uh, what do you do when you first wake up in the morning? Uh, I don't know. Probably piss. <laughs> I like I like when she's like, "What would you do if you weren't playing football?" Uh, probably working construction. Ripping cigs. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Funny. Yeah. So good. Very um, funny. But, yeah, so 
some intriguing primetime matchups. Now let's let's round out this this schedule talk very quickly, kind of just to you know give some fan perspective. What's a what's a Jags game? I know you said the Bengals Thursday night game. That, I think that's what I got to go with. That's, that's what you got to go with. Yeah, it's yeah. the week four matchup late September against the Bengals. We're going to see Trevor Lawrence, his first action under the lights against Joe Burrow, who consistently was a stud last year before he got hurt. He, uh, It's just a matchup that brings a lot of excitement all the way around uh, from a perspective of NFL fans because I think a lot of people – are seeing both franchises as having a possible, uh, you know, program altering turn with the quarterbacks that they have in place right now. So uh, this could be uh, given what, you know, how each roster shakes out. uh, This could be a high scoring affair on Thursday night because the Jaguars are going to as offense with urban Meyer, a lot of speeds going to go on the field. The Bengals as well are going to emphasize offense with the, you know, pieces that they've put in place for Joe Burrow to utilize, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, as well as Joe Mixon in the backfield. So it's going to be an interesting setup uh, in terms of there's going to be – there's a potential that a lot of points are scored here. So not only are we going to get an exciting matchup from a Jaguars and Bengals fan perspective, but if you're – you know, if you normally see the Jaguars on Thursday night and you say, oh, I don't want to watch this, this is the Jaguars. If you normally – Yeah, this time you have to. If you normally see the Bengals on Thursday night, you're like, oh, I'm not watching Cincinnati. Let's yeah. let's turn it on if you're a fan of offense. Yeah. I think that this could be a legitimate, uh, uh, you know, it could be a legitimate, high-scoring, entertaining affair. And, and yeah, and I think uh, I think the placement of the game is good too. Week four, yeah. you know, I don't think either team is going to make the playoffs this year, but you know, maybe one of them is two and one heading into the game, and uh, you know. It's still at the point where both of them are technically in it just because of how early it is in the season and because of it. Uh, you know, it's going to be a fun early season matchup between two up-and-coming quarterbacks. So, yeah, uh, I, I think I think that's a good one. Now, I'm going to get into the Patriots. And hold on, hold on. Did you, you want... say a team might be 2-1 and one going in? I don't – so I don't no, know. No, 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 listen, listen. The Jaguars play – the Texans, Broncos, and Cardinals weeks one through three. That's three wins right there. They you think they beat the Cardinals? Titans beat the Dolphins. Two-game skid against the Seahawks and Bills. Colts, 49ers, Falcons win all three of them. Rams, Titans losses. Texans, Jets, Patriots, Jack, Colts all wins. Here we go. 13-4, and four, year one. Playoffs, baby. It's going to okay. mark it down. No, I'm kidding. I'm 100% kidding. But, but do you, do you – I, I think so what, there is Texans, a legitimate Broncos. shot. Cardinals. Yeah, I think there is a shot that they could be two and one. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah, I need to look at the Bengals' first three games because I honestly, I honestly don't know the Bengals' first three games. Vikings, Bears, Steelers, zero and three. No way. These are going to be raw, raw if they if Kirk Cousins can figure it out because yeah. they have two of the best offensive skill players in the entire three of. Let's not. Let's not overlook Adam Thielen. Obviously. Oh, no one is. At least well, I'm not. I, I do because my I. It's not that I overlook Thielen. It's just I hold Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson in such a high light because of just I. They're both. Yeah. No, I understand. On the football. Field. I've been there the whole way. I've been alongside you the whole way. Yeah, I know. You know. I, I know how personal it is for you. Oh gosh. Hey, I had them going to the Super Bowl last year. Mark it down down again this year. They're at least getting to the. Playoffs. The playoffs. All right. The playoffs. So okay. 
And I will continue riding with the Vikings as long as they have this offensive core because I think uh, I think that that's a good spot. But all right, continue. I'm sorry. Anyways, so as for the the Patriots side of things, uh, I, I think I think a lot of people know what I'm going to say here. So there's a game on the Patriots schedule that involves a quarterback going back to his home stadium to face off against his former team and everyone listening to this, knowing like how big of a Patriots fan I am. It's like, Oh, of course that's the game Matt's going with. And you know what guys, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I cannot you know what, wait guys? for Cam Newton to return to Carolina <laughs> to take on the Carolina Panthers in week seven. I mean, how'd you guys know? How'd you guys know? You didn't know because I just threw a twist, right? Um, Bucks Pats is the obvious answer. So why not go a different direction? Because everyone who is a football fan is excited for Tom Brady to return back to New England. Uh, but I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that Cam's going back to Carolina this year to take on his old team. I feel like it's kind of gotten swept under the rug a little bit. That's going to be an exciting game, and that's the one I'm going with for the Patriots. Yeah, that will be an exciting game. I 100% agree. I have a question for you, though. How do you think New England is going to treat Tom Brady in his return? After I mean, all, after all the success and riches that he brought, not only to that franchise, but to the city as a whole, do you think he goes in there and just gets crapped on by the New England fan base? For no, I think he's going to get an ovation. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about before or after the game. I'm talking about during the game. Do you think he goes in there and gets absolutely crapped on all game long? Because – Pat McAfee was talking about it today about how when Adam Vinatieri left, everyone he'd go back. That him they went back to Foxborough, and before the game they're all like, "Oh, Vinny, we love you, whatever. Thank you so much for what you did." And then he gets in the game, and they're all like, "F you, Vinny," and they're just being you know the normal raucous patriot. Yeah. You know, you know they're they're embracing the patriot way. Uh, right. The the what Pat McAfee described as the hardworking class. Uh, of of the Patriot fan base, that's also very arrogant because of the wins that they've been able to hold on for right. so long. So, which you know, they they have the right to be arrogant because you like you know, obviously you you have the right to be arrogant because you guys have won so much. So, like it is what it is. However, do you think in between those white lines painted onto the field, there's going to be any appreciation for what Tom Brady brought to you, or is it automatically that flip that switch is flipped on and it is? He's on the enemy. We're, we're, we got to give him the same treatment that we've given everybody else. Well, I, I hope that's what the Patriots fans that attend that game do. Okay. I mean, I mean, there is no – Would you do it yourself? If, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to root for the Bucs just Well, no, 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 no. I'm, not, guy, saying, I'm not saying rooting for the Bucs in general. I'm just saying kind of t- taking a step back from your normal, like – No. I, as a whole. Me personally, like – you know, obviously, I hope he gets that ovation. I hope there's some tears shed prior to the game. I hope there's some hugs. I, I hope that there's just some sort of – for the game that, you know, with everything that happened in the 2019-2020 offseason and Brady dropping that kind of questionable Hulu commercial and kind of having it up in the air with what he was going to do, leaving, winning a Super Bowl in his first year. I hope, like, Brady and Belichick and Kraft can, like, kind of hug it out and, yeah. you know, just show to the league that there's not really any – beef there but when the game's going on and you know it's it's a big moment of the game or really at any point in the game I I, I mean I, I hope they crush him I hope 
I hope the pass rush gets to him. I hope it's like in it. I hope it's like any other big Patriots game where Brady was playing for the Patriots, where the D lineman went after him and took some low shots after the whistle. You know, I I hope. So you're, I think, are you wishing ill on the guy that brought you six championships right now, Matt? I'm just saying I don't want the Patriots. Did you just say to you treat, want them to no, injure Tom I don't want Brady them to after the whistle? Oh, I don't want them to gosh. injure him. I want them to. I want them to treat him no different than every other team that's gone up against him has for the entirety of the time he's been in the league. I want I want trash talking. I want getting in his head. I want trash talking is different from trying to potentially end his career. He's an old man. He could break a Oh, he'll be fine. He'll eat some avocado ice cream after the game. He'll be good. Gosh. He'll be fine. That, he can handle was, he can handle Your Patriots showed right there. That was distasteful, Matt. Come on. He he can he can handle Winovich going at the hips. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, and then Trist, and then here comes Gronk with a forearm shiver right to the back of one of his brawl breaks out. Fan bases onto the field. It's just going to be a – here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Except you're not going to know who's who in that crowd because all the Bucks jerseys are going to be Brady Bucks jerseys. So are yeah. they Patriots fans that switched or are they Bucks fans that made the, the trip? That It's really going to be one of the most interesting games in terms of fan representation because – even though you're going to see Bucks jerseys in the crowd, like I said, they're going to be Brady, and you're honestly not going to be able to tell who's who. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I wish no ill will upon Tom Brady. Other than I gotcha. hope the Bucks walk out of Gillette on October third with one of these. Gotcha. No. No. So counterpoint, what do you think the response is to Rob Gronkowski, given the way that he kind of you know did the did the foxborough a little dirty he didn't go out foxborough forever he went out a little foxborough in the past i'll see y'all later maybe come back higher however it's kind of iffy that situation that's going on right there see now me personally i don't want to say i boo him i mean Mm. gronk was phenomenal for the patriots right i mean growing up gronk was just like a part of my life for a little bit you know like the gronk spike and seeing that Sunday after Sunday. I mean, Gronk, Gronk was awesome, but, like, you know, what he did might be oh – gosh, should I say this? I don't know if I want to say this joke I'm about to say. But it's not uh, like, no, no, don't say it. <laughs> do you know don't where I was going to go? Yeah, don't say it. <laughs> he knew exactly where I was going to go. Don't say it. <laughs> he knew exactly where I was going to go with that one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Gronk is <laughs> – Gronk has always been known to just kind of be – outlandish and kind of a attention seeker and the fact that he followed Brady doesn't really surprise me I mean I that one I'm a bit more hesitant to answer because I don't really know how a lot of other Patriots fans feel about it uh, at least the masses I know how some of my close friend Patriot fans feel about it I know how Not so hot. I know I know how like the 10 Patriots fans that I follow on Twitter feel about it mm. but like I can't speak for the entire fan base. I, I'm. I, I think I'll just go as far as to say, I'm. I'm disappointed. And you know, con, considering he's on the same team as Brady, I hope he also takes the L. You know. So I. I have a. This. This is the way that I feel like Patriots fans should address any type of situation. W W, D P, T. What would Dave Portnoy think? Okay. But what Dave Portner thinks. That's a good way of looking at it. When he, it. Whenever he thinks, I feel like 
the fan base follows. They, they all just kind of mesh their ideas together into a, a nice uniform, and it's all Dave Portnoy at the beginning leading the tribe. Yes and no. I mean, most things, yes. But Portnoy also, like, he has Portnoy also showed up. Takes. He also showed up to the Patriots-Eagles game in 2019 with a split shirt that had – it was like a split Patriots-Eagles shirt, like Brady Foles on one side, and he's always like, man, I love Philly so much. Like, no. I don't like Philly, and I'm not just going to like Philly because Dave Portnoy likes Philly, you know? But yeah. um, No, I get it. I get it. However, <laughs> when, I, when I think of, like – I was just trying to think of the person, like, all right, who is Boston sports to me? And for some reason, just that, you know, the bar stool in general. And then I was like, Dave. I was like, yeah. Dave is like if, – if he is against it, then I feel like a lot of people are against it. If, right. Like, yeah, I don't really care. I feel like a lot of people follow suit. Because uh, I'm – obviously, a lot of people that – are going to be there, are going to be rooting in that game. Uh, there's going to be – obviously, it's built over time, the more diehard fans, uh, and it happens when you're when you're winning. However, a lot of the time, the people that go to the stadium aren't, as always, as crazy fanatics. It's more of the casual fan base, and I, I think that's wherever you go. I think there are a lot of casuals in general uh, going to games yeah. and such. So. Yeah, I, I think uh... – now, it's funny because I said the Patriots-Panthers was my pick, but we ended up talking about the Patriots-Bucks. <laughs> and we've probably run a little too yeah. much on time to now get fully into the Patriots-Panthers game. But to refer back to that point, I just want to say, don't forget about that. Yeah. Don't forget about Cam Newton going back home to Carolina. Yeah, don't do um, what we did and just completely ignore it. Okay? Right. Exactly. So. Despite the fact that we didn't ignore it. <laughs> but we still found a way to ignore it. Yes. Anyways, so – um. Where do we go from here? I think that wraps up our schedule talk. And... So, yes. So, um, what we have now, uh, we are going to take a little break, um, and we're going to discuss what, how we want to continue uh, going about the show. So, we'll catch you on the other side of this cool music. Welcome back to Sunshine State Takes. We took a little quick break to discuss how we're going to divvy up the rest of this, uh, you know, our discussion for the day. Uh, we decided that the Sunshine State Taker mailbag inauguration was going to be uh, put in its own episode. So if you guys are watching and want to go check out some questions that we've been asked from our Sunshine State Takers, go ahead and do that on our YouTube channel. Um, uh, however, to kind of wrap up today's show as we've talked about the schedule release in general. Matt, what's the best thing that you saw today? So this is actually from yesterday, May 12th. Uh, so the Mets, they're on a seven-game win streak. They're now 18 and 13, first place in the NL East. Yesterday was a big game against the Orioles. Former Mets pitcher Matt Harvey made his return to City Field for the first time since when he pitched there, I believe, uh, when he got – released in 2018 and the Mets gave him a nice big welcome home to New York. First off, respect through the roof for Matt Harvey. Uh, 
they gave him a standing ovation. Uh, he had a very emotional press conference. And, you know, it's just one of those things that made you look back on what could have been. Because Harvey, if you're ever talking about a baseball what if, it's it's Matt Harvey. And, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that I attended the last good game Harvey ever pitched. And it was game five of the 2015 World Series where he went eight scoreless innings, uh nine strikeouts, just utter dominance until he got into some trouble and they ended up blowing the game. But anyways, let's take a look at the warm welcome the Mets gave Matt Harvey yesterday in his return to New York. So there's Pete Alonzo on third base. Dom Smith had just had a single. Kevin Pillar rips one to the wall, and the Orioles can't come up with the catch. It bounces up. Two-run triple, hard hit off of Matt Harvey, and the Mets put some runs on the board. Right there, uh, you know, not really contested throw at third. Just beautiful. Got the whole barrel on the bat. Nice sunglasses. Uh, and then Jose Peraza finds it, gets it through the hole, scores another run. So the Mets hit him around a little bit, right? Um, and, you know, it's love Matt Harvey, but uh, I'm not really surprised. And then I do want to highlight this play that Freddie Galvis makes right here. Just out, you talk about Mahomes throwing it in the air. Take, take a look at this replay right here. Mm. Um, and this was the first out of the inning. Look at Freddie Galvis levitate, throw with no part of his body on the ground, puts it on a rope, and then uh, he strikes out Jonathan VR to end the inning. Uh, they scored a few more runs. Dom Smith went three for three. Oh, I also need to shout out my man, Kid Conforto here. Let's see. Taiwan Walker gives up a pretty hard hit ball, but look at that diving catch by Michael Conforto, who has just been elevating his game defensively in right field, and he's been starting to come into his own a little bit. So just an all-around good performance from the Mets yesterday. Nice little welcome home for Matt Harvey. We love you, but, uh, you know, you got to win the games, right? I mean, look, <laughs> look, yeah. Hey, hey, if you don't want them to talk about it, don't let them hit home runs. Don't or right. don't let them score. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. That's how I feel in general about baseball. If you don't want them to have fun, don't let them. Yep. You know what I mean? Hey. No, hundred percent. Don't let Fernando take you yard and then get upset when he decides yeah. to give you a little bat flip. I mean, come on now. This don't let baseball. don't this let Pilar it. hit a two run triple. Catch it. Yeah, exactly. Now, well, but it's, that's that was a tough play to make. So, however. That's not. I that they had two chances to not let it happen. Not only was the pitch not in a good spot, that but it was a tough play. However, right. could it have been made? There was probably like a, yeah. I sports science gave it like a two percent chance, maybe. Well, actually, uh, let's let's take a look back at something that occurred earlier in the game. I think it's in that same highlight video, so it shouldn't be hard for me to pull it up. Let me refer back, and this happened in the first inning. Let's see. Is it here? Okay, right here. And then this is this guy who hit the triple for the Mets, Kevin Pillar. Let's watch the play he makes in center in the first inning. Um, so, obviously, Kevin Pillar and Dom Smith both look like they're going to collide. Pillar goes up and gets it, robs a home run. So, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And once again, uh, take a, let's take a look at Kevin Pillar's sunglasses. Look, looks good there. He's got the – what are those called? Yeah. Um, I know what those are called, but I can't think of the name. He's got the um, – I blanked. 
I blank, uh, but they look good. Awesome. They look good on them. Oh god, I should. Oh, the pit vipers. Ah uh, yes. Rocking the pit vipers. So uh, you know, nice sunny day in New York. Good day for robbing triples and hitting some triples of your own. So hats off to Kevin Pillar. I thought he. I, I thought the Mets in general played some great defense. They hit the ball well yesterday. So um, that's it. I, I know I rambled for a bit, but uh, anyways, what do you got? All good. All good. Uh, what I have, I, this, I just found this. This is not something that I've been planning on uh, kind of using. However, however, we got some type of shenanigans going on here uh, from one of the, you know, I consider him one of the better corners in the NFL. Uh, he's, you know, been a consistent piece, had the intangibles coming out of college, has really put it together in the NFL, has been, you know, compared to a Jaguars selection in Tyson Campbell. That's Marlon Humphrey of the Baltimore Ravens, formerly of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and he was just getting a little chippy with one of his former rivals on Twitter. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a look here. So Texas A&M recently put together some athletic facilities. So Marlon Humphrey said, the Texas A&M athletic facilities and campus is the best I've ever seen. <laughs> if I could do it again and repick a college, I still wouldn't consider them, but wow, I love it. Garrett Wilson of Ohio State, uh, the, the wide receiver that is yeah. going to be the top wide receiver taken uh, of this upcoming draft. You know, he, he, he yeah, it's funny. It, it was a good tweet. And so it's a shot. When I first saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's really good. Because listen, if you, if you, many of you don't know, Texas A&M is viewed as one of the – and I know before I get targeted, yes, Florida lost to Texas A&M this past season. I understand. However, in the scope of an Alabama fan or an Alabama lens – Mickey Mouse win for Texas A&M. I wouldn't say that because <laughs> Johnny Menzel bald. However, Texas A&M is viewed as if it's almost a little brother in the SEC. Right. Because of, you know, it's – for a while, it took me a it took me a while to recognize them as anything other than a Big Twelve reject. So I think that it was kind of a weird situation there because they're from Texas. Like, yeah, you got like Texas and Missouri is just kind of a weird spot for SEC. However, it, it ended up working out overall. But they have put a lot into being legitimate, and they finally started deserve like. Re you know, receiving some of that recognition when Jimbo Fisher went there. So to see Marlon Humphrey continuing the kind of like, oh, like a little brother type thing, I think it's pretty yeah. funny overall. Oh, it's, a, it's a good shot. If, I mean, If I had a chance to, you know, redo all of this and just go through my recruitment again, I still wouldn't even consider Texas But their facilities are great. <laughs> that's I thought it was, I thought no, it was really hilarious. Good. good shot. And, you know, you got to have the trash talk. Yeah, for sure. got to have the trash talk. I mean, that's what keeps the rivals rivalries fresh. Who? It's what keeps them fun, and Definitely. you know it's some extra material for Texas A&M next year when they go up against Bama and those alumni start talking to each other. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Good tweet. That's what Twitter's yeah. for. Good tweets, for, for not sure. bad tweets. <laughs> absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, uh, thank you for listening to another edition of Sunshine State Takes. We will be uh, right now actually recording our first ever Sunshine State Taker mailbag. Not going to be much of a long episode. It's not even going to really be an episode. It's just going to be a quick, uh, a quick, fifteen-minute clip uh, over yeah. some of the questions that our Sunshine State Take fans have brought in, you know, sent in to the show for us to answer. Um, we will name them. Yes, you will get named 
in the next show. So make sure to go check that out and make sure to give us a like uh, and, you know, a follow or a subscribe on YouTube, as well as a follow on Twitter at Sunshine ST Takes. And then on Twitter or YouTube at Sunshine State Takes. Make sure to like and subscribe, guys. We'll see you next time. Make sure to like and subscribe. We'll go. I'll catch you next time. It's a bit of good. All right, guys. Uh, thank you to our unofficial sponsors, Bill Nye, the Science Guy, Buddy the Elf, and of course, Firehouse Sub. We're still on, you know, we're still trying to gauge the situation with Bill, even though he seems like he's doing great. So, Bill Gates, Microsoft could be quickly coming back into the picture, but we're going to have to continue seeing how that. Works. And Dasani today, that's what that they supplied my water for the episode. Oh, no. We have conflicting. Uh, we, that's not good. Uh oh. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. Figure it out. We'll have a fight to the death. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have a duel, so it'll be. Yeah. All right, guys. Catch us on our next video where me and Brandon literally fight each other over bottles of water. Catch <laughs> us on our next video where we joust with the bottles of water. All right. Catch you all next time. All right, bro.